I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Heather Donnelly, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with English champion Heather Dondi about her meteoric rise from kitchen bridge player to world champion and her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, Jocelyn. How's your week been? Hi, Catherine. Everything's going well here. How about you? Yeah, yeah, fine. Thanks. How Have you had any interesting hands this week? Well, I'm very happy about a board I played just last night. I was in one of those horrible two no Trump contracts where you open two no Trump and your partner passes and you're sitting there with your high cards, but it, it was all aces and spaces and I don't know how I'm going to possibly take eight tricks. And I was playing against these very good players, uh, one in particular, but I made it and I was very happy. Hey, that's great. So that was a, that was a good board. Excellent. Excellent. But I've had several very bad boards that could be in contention for worst board of the week. And, you know, they all come down to the fact that I never know if something is forcing or not forcing. And it's great playing your system because it's so clear when something is forcing and not forcing. So I've really been appreciating that system that you taught me, that all new sort, all new suits are forcing. But I don't have that with any of my other partners. And so it's always just a, a conundrum about whether something is forcing. And, you know, we went to a bunch of different experts because I thought I was right. And she thought she was right. <laughs> and, and, and we got a completely, we got like four different responses about which bid was forcing and which bid wasn't forcing. And it was pretty... It was pretty funny. I think I, I think as our teacher would say, it you know it in, invariably gets back to partnership agreement. 
And it's just nice to have such a clear agreement. Well, yeah. And it's one of the reasons that I think it is fantastic that we take lessons together. And so we're coming from a similar set of principles and philosophy that I think is really helping to get us on the same page. I can't imagine doing it without that. So Jocelyn, we've had a couple of letters in the mailbag. Would you like me to read you one? Oh, please, Catherine. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So this is a short email from Rick in Alberta, Canada. He says, "Um, a really neat aspect of playing duplicate bridge for me as a teenager in the 1960s was that the club's weekly winner was named in the Red Deer Advocate. In those days, the Advocate was the only daily paper between Edmonton and Calgary and everyone read it. If you got your name in the paper, you were famous. For a natural-born show-off like me, it was immensely motivational, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was really cute. And it really reminded me of when you sent me um, the clip from the bulletin when I had my latest rank jump because um, I hadn't seen it. And it was just, I got such a kick out of seeing my name in print (laughs) like that. (laughs) So thank you for sending that. Definitely wanted you to see that. And those ranks are, 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 are critical. You definitely care about your rank achievements, or at least I know I did. I thought that I was going to make Life Master based on 300 points, but I didn't realize that I had let my ACBL membership lapse at a critical time when the ACBL changed the Master Point requirements for Life Master from... 300 to 500. So here I am thinking that I only need 300. And then I achieve the 300. And I get a letter saying that I've achieved some other rank under uh, Life Master. So I was devastated because now I was going to need to make 500 points. And it was not going to happen in the time frame that I thought. And I was super upset. And I was calling everybody and writing to the ACBL and saying, you don't understand, you know, I'm a mom and I have a job and I have so much going on and I just let my membership lapse and I can't believe it. But you know that I was, I was a member and now I have to have 500 points and I'll never make Life Master. And they didn't do anything for me. You're kidding. They didn't? No, they didn't do anything. Except that a few months later, it really wasn't more than just a few months later, the ACBL announced a rule change and they grandfathered everyone in, including people who had had a lapse in membership at a critical time, which was really nice. I don't think it had anything to do with my situation, but I imagine maybe they heard from enough people who found out to their chagrin that They were in the 500 group instead of the 300 group. And when you're when you're expecting to make Life Master with 300 points and you find out, oh, no, it's going to be another 200. And you know how hard it was to get to that 300. It was pretty devastating. Definitely. And so even though it's just such a silly kind of artificial thing that doesn't mean anything as far as whether you're a good player or not, what your rank is. You do attach importance to it and it is important and you do, you know, look at the lists in the back of the bridge bulletin to see who's done what and and it is exciting when you see your friend's name in it and your own name in it. Or if you're in the 1960s in the local paper. 
If you've got a fun bridge story about rank achievements or being in the bridge bulletin or your local paper or any other fun story about bridge, send it to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com and we might well read it out on the show. Coming up next, our interview with Heather Dondi. Heather Dondi learned to play bridge as a child, but her days of kitchen bridge were over as soon as she got to university. From there, she quickly rose through the competitive bridge ranks and has gone on to excel on the national and international stage, including winning gold twice at the Mind Sports Games and taking home a record 13 Lady Milne trophies. We started by asking her about her very first bridge lessons. We uh, we went to a caravanning holiday uh, in Dorset and it rained every day. And my parents had these kids stuck in this tiny caravan and uh, were trying to think of something for us to do. And so uh, they decided they'd teach us bridge. They thought we were probably a little bit too young. My sister and I, I think we were about eight and nine or something. <laughs> you know, they thought they'd give it a go. And uh, we, we played family bridge, you know, since then. And how long did it take from going from that to actually playing in a club? Like, can you, can you describe that transition for us? Oh, I didn't play in a club until I went to university. Uh, this was just kitchen bridge at home with family. So when I went to university, uh, I joined the bridge club. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a bridge club. I thought it was just like another game, like rummy or whatever. <laughs> I didn't realise that there was this whole structure behind bridge. So I was amazed when I went to university and I saw um, that there was a bridge club. So I thought, well, I'll join that. I know how to play. Of course, I didn't. But <laughs> when you played Kitchen Bridge, did you yes. play a lot of conventions? None at all. Yeah, none at all. Right? Maybe Stamen, maybe Blackwood. Oh, we yeah, no Blackwood. We did play. We 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 knew Forno Trumps was uh, uh, Blackwood, and we used to. This is a sort of a house rule, but a diamond, a heart, and a spade were all five card suits. But occasionally, we might have to open a balanced hand. So we used to play one club or one club convention which meant that it might not be clubs. <laughs> <laughs> and we were allowed to say which one it was, you see. <laughs> and that was your convention. Wow. Yeah. So your convention cards were very, very small, I'd very never, meager. I've never heard of convention cards. <laughs> I think a lot of people do learn that way. And then it comes as quite a shock when you see a, even just a, a medium filled out convention card and it, it feels overwhelming originally when you're told this is what you are expected to to be able to do if you want to play with other people yeah <laughs> and it had a whole load of boxes that I would never have discussed right. <laughs> what they meant yeah, yeah. <laughs> defense to multi please do you even remember maybe what some of the early games you played at the club I remember the first day I went to the bridge club at York University and I did think that I knew a little bit more than I did know and I got partnered with the secretary of the club and it was really really busy and so the tables were very closely packed and I was a long way from the door and uh, my partner opened one something and they overcalled a heart I think and I bid two no trumps because I had 11 or 12 points balanced hand my partner bid three no trumps and they cashed the first five hearts because I didn't have a stopper. And everybody at the table looked horrified at me. And honestly, I felt so humiliated that I nearly ran out of the door and never went back to bridge. But I was too far away from the door. <laughs> and I couldn't get past all these tables. So I decided that I wouldn't. But I did, I, you know, if, it, if I'd been near the door, I would have ran out and never played again, I think. <laughs> 
I, I sometimes give the analogy because I'm a bit of a social tennis player, but I get terrified at the idea of uh, playing matches because I, ha- I do play in the, in the county in the third division, you know, uh, for, for in tennis. And I, I feel like a complete idiot sometimes, you know, just get <laughs> blasted off the court. And, and you know, um, that's how I know people feel at bridge. Yeah. So is that humbling for you? Does that allow you to kind of empathize more with the students who I guess also, we're all struggling with it, but um, for yeah. people who maybe have less of an affinity with it than yourself? Yes. I mean, I have nightmares about serving four double faults and <laughs> other people, you know, they come to, to, to bridge and they're worried about going off in a lay down game and that sort of thing. <laughs> I noticed in your bio and the articles that we read that you have a musical background. And I was particularly interested in that because I'm also a musician. And I think a lot about the similarities in my love of bridge and my love of music and the enjoyment I get playing bridge with friends or playing music with friends. Yes. And I, I was so interested to, to see that you were also a serious musician and love to, to mm. ask you about what similar uh, experiences you've had, perhaps, between bridge and music? Well, you're you're right. It's that uh, they're both quite sociable. I mean, I, I one of the fa- my favourite things to do in music was to play some chamber music uh, or to accompany a, a soloist because my first instrument's the piano. And it's the same with a, a partnership in in bridge or a social game of you know four people sitting around a bridge table. It's quite similar, you know, you, you create something between the four of you that you're all enjoying. And in terms of the effort and the uh, the skills that are required for each, do you see that they're quite different in, in bridge and in music? Maybe I'm trying to force this analogy, but I feel like they're both languages and the, the solving of the problem yes. aspect. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I also think sometimes that, that the sort of planning ahead, particularly perhaps sight reading, you know, planning ahead and planning your moves in, in bridge is, a, is another analogy, perhaps. Do you think that there's almost a meditative component about music that allows you to be more centered in yourself and to be able to have that maybe intellectual and emotional distance on the situation, you know, that you can enter another part of your brain, perhaps it gives you a distance on the, the, the problem at the table? I mean, I think that for both, you need to be calm and and rational. I um, actually stopped playing music um, in front of people too much because I used to find that when I got nervous, my hands shook and my control was not there. But uh, in bridge, obviously, your hands might shake, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily lose control. So uh, we did have a sports psychologist for a while in bridge, and uh, she gave us lots of tips as to how to stay calm and centered and focused. And I guess if I had had her expertise earlier, I I might have been able to bring that into my piano playing as well and, and, and got over some of my problems with. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, what sort of things might get you slightly flustered or less calm at the bridge table? Usually it's the, just the occasion and, and it's usually before you start play. So it, it's walking into a room to play your first boards in a European or world championship. You know, you've been building up to it for a long time, sitting at the table and you're waiting to get that first hand out. So I'm nervous then, but usually by the time you're into it, played a few boards, got a few boards under your belt and nothing, hopefully nothing disastrous has happened, then uh, you get, get, get into the groove and, and the nerves go. What sort of tips did the psychologist give you for, for overcoming that initial nervousness? Just uh, think about your breathing. Think about keeping your arms relaxed. Uh, I'm sort of doing it now. Uh, perhaps um, uncross your legs so that your legs are relaxed. Breathing through your abdomen and uh, you know, just keeping basically your arms and legs very relaxed so that you're not sort of all tensed up. Do you get nervous, Jocelyn? I do get nervous, especially if it's a new event or a big deal event. I, I get I get nervous. I get nervous performing music as well. I think it's kind of mm. a similar thing. Somebody did tell me just to really pay attention to the first couple of boards and keeping your mindset because it's there that you can really mess up um, <laughs> in the first couple of boards and then the last few boards because you could you could sense that it's almost over and something changes and maybe you you let your concentration flag i don't know if that a similar thing that you've experienced i was gonna say it's the it's the last few boards um that people do yeah they they're thinking of the break they're thinking about their lunch as an english team we, we pick up so many imps in the last three boards often yeah, so you profit from from that. <laughs> Sting in the tail we get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Jocelyn, next time we're playing a tournament, we'll have to really dig deep for those last three. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> that brings me to a question about partnerships. What is it about a partnership that maybe makes it work or doesn't work? I think it helps if you get on because you're going to be spending a lot of time together. Yeah. Uh, and if you've got a similar sense of humor, perhaps, or something that, that you can talk about other than bridge, that's also helpful. But also you have to have a similar style and a, and a philosophy, I think. If, you, if you're the sort of one person likes a very calm atmosphere and the other one is getting angry and shouting, that's not going to work too well. Mm. I was wondering if in terms of uh, playing style, you feel that there needs to be a lot of similarity. You were saying personality style and approach and maybe a talkative level at the table. Uh, but what about playing style? For example, 
does it help for one person in the partnership to be more aggressive and the other to be less, or is it better to be matched in your experience, at least? I, I think it's, uh, I think we're talking about bidding really when we talk about style. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I mean, my, my opinion is, is the best partnership uh, you can have is one where it wouldn't matter who was sitting in which seat, the bid would be the same because if that's the case, then you really know where you are. And also, you know, if if it turns out to be the wrong decision, a poor decision, it, it helps you if you if you've got some sympathy because it's the bid you would have made anyway. Oh, I like that because I think some people talk in terms of certain partnerships can work if the two people bring different styles because they just both need to be very aware of the other person's style and they might adjust in a different way and playing with mm -hmm. another person. But I do see what you're saying. It just, it removes that extra step of having to imagine what your partner who is not like you would yeah. do in that situation. Yeah. What, what would you say your particular strength is in, in bridge? Possibly temperament. I'm very calm and unflappable, logical, I would say, you know, I, I have a, a logical brain that's always been, you know, good at those sorts of, you know, puzzles, things like Sudokus or whatever, you know, so I think that's, those probably my biggest strengths. And may I ask, what would you say would be your weakest area? Um, possibly sometimes I rush and I could have, and, you know, then I think, oh, why did I do that? I, and, and I realize a bit later that I could have done something differently. So I, I, I could slow down a bit, I think. And one more similar type of question. Um, what do you think is the most challenging aspect of a long-term bridge partnership? Dealing with catastrophes, possibly. <laughs> Particularly, you know, if your partner is having a really bad day and, and making lots of mistakes and forgetting the system as well. Those can be challenging moments, but you know that, that next championship, it might be you. So you have to be nice. <laughs> we can all have off days. Yeah. Yeah. So really it's about finding that respect, isn't it? So that, that you fall back on that mm. because everybody has their ups and downs. And forgiveness. Yeah. Do you find that plays out with your students? You know, do you, do you tend to see patterns with your students? Do they, do they tend to fall into categories, for example, in, in terms of the style in which they play or they learn? Yeah. And the mistakes that they make as well. There are some mistakes that just keep cropping up all the time. And whether they learn, obviously some learn quicker than others. And uh, that can be either an age thing or just a, a, an aptitude thing. So it can be difficult if you start off with a group of beginners and, and, and two of them are racing off and, and four of them are sort of still at the starting gates. Um, and it can be difficult for, you know, if you want to do another course, some of them you feel should be repeating the first course, really, uh, and the others are well able to move on to the next one. That can be a hard thing to, um, it can be a hard thing to say. Hmm. And as a teacher, can you see it straight away who's going to get it and who sort of, you know, is not? Um, within a few lessons. Yeah. 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 When it's totally new, then it, it's, it's pretty difficult for everybody. But, you know, sometimes some people, things click with some people and, and with others that it doesn't. 
Mm. And it never does sometimes. You know, there's some people I've been teaching for 10 years and they still can't take a finesse, you know, <laughs> which is <laughs> a bit sad. <laughs> Do you find, though, even accounting for the time, is there a progression that you expect to see among students? Or do you find that things go in completely different ways and it's not the same progression of learning across the board? Well, I try to make it the same across the board because I don't want those who are getting it to, you know, I don't want to go to the lowest common denominator, really. Um, so in it, within a group, you're likely to find some who are getting it and some who aren't. What I tend to do is I've got lessons one to 16, but I do say to, to any group, and, and they're quite challenging, the, the rate at which they move forward. But I do say to people, if at any stage as a group, you want to stop off next week and just do a revision lesson, we'll do that. And usually they do at some point. So your lessons are very structured, at least the in the early the beginners ones. The beginners, are, yes. yeah. Uh, less so if I if I uh, I'm teaching sort of people who already play tournaments, um, then we will do lessons sometimes on what they want to learn. They say, you know, I want you to come and do a group of lessons amongst the topics we'd like you to cover are week twos, negative doubles, whatever. And so I, I just sometimes just do the lessons that they want. But the beginners are, are very structured, yeah. Do you have a favorite tournament that you like to play? Um, I wouldn't say particularly a tournament. Uh, it's more the people that I play with and the people I see, I think. it's it's uh, That's what makes the tournament. It's not so much um, the venue or the, the, the format of the tournament. So, you know, I've got some partners that I prefer to play with than others, but I'm not going to mention names. <laughs> <laughs> What about conventions? Do you have a favorite convention? I don't play that many conventions. I play usually play a very natural system. I just um, play strong and five with three week twos. So, I mean, I think people can be guilty of having too, too much structure in their system that doesn't allow for judgment. and um, Yeah, it sort of locks them into something and they stop being creative or thinking constructively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I resemble that remark. (laughs) (laughs) I love rules. (laughs) Jocelyn, you do love a rule. (laughs) You would love... Andrew Robson's teaching methods then where he has a rule of everything from one to 30, I think. (laughs) Yes, you do. I probably very much would. I do enjoy his columns. Yeah, yeah. They're very good. Mm. What about conventions that are a waste of time? Are there any you just think, oh, why do you people bother? Um... I would say possibly all these complicated maneuvers to get out of one no trump doubled, you know. (laughs) I mean, I just redouble if I've got a good hand and pass if I've got a medium hand and bid my best suit. (laughs) Otherwise, you know, but why, why you need to have all this stuff? I mean, in particular, I hate the fact, you know, with all these maneuvers that they play, you can't play one no trump doubled anymore, which is often where you want to play if you've got a balanced hand opposite. So um, I think that those are a bit of a waste of time. Heather, you were an accountant before mm-hmm. you became a full-time professional bridge player. Yeah. Do you ever miss being an accountant? Uh, no. <laughs> but I, <laughs> not, I, and, uh, that's not that I didn't enjoy the job. I did. Uh, and I enjoyed the office environment. I suppose perhaps I missed that a bit. But the freedom that, that this has given me, you know, working for myself working when I want to and playing tennis when I want to. And so it, it, it's just given me 
more time. Um, I couldn't really keep going with the accountancy and playing internationally with 20 days holiday a year. I, you know, my husband and I didn't have a holiday for five years uh, because it was all all my 20 days annual leave were taken up with going to European World Championships. And it just wasn't sustainable, really. So I had to do something. I wanted to wrap up by asking you what's the best um, advice or tip you've ever been given? The, the first bridge player that I played with after leaving university, who really brought on my game a lot, he was very focused on counting the hand and giving count signals. And that was something different for me, but it really worked for me. You know, if, if you work out the shape of the hands, and so often the, the, the high cards will just sort of slot into place you know, from the bidding, from the lead, from the, the way, the play to date, et cetera. But, but actually working out the shape of the hand helps with defense, but also with, with playing the cards. So I think that shift in mindset to concentrating on counting the distribution of the hand rather than the high cards was, was um, a good piece of advice and works for me. Thank you very much, Heather. We're really um, thrilled that you were able to join us today and and very grateful for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Nice to meet you both. And that's the show. Thanks to Heather Dondi, Rubina Astley, Catherine Girardo, Dan Graboy, Theo Hassan and Alex Tyers. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. But be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And as Heather says, it's the shape of the hand, not just the high cards. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.